That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition, a championship edition to the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast, reacting to a world championship. The Denver Nuggets are sitting at the top of the NBA universe with the crown on their head. And every knee in the NBA landscape bent to honor not just a champion, but a dominant championship run. 16 wins, 4 losses on their way to an NBA title. Holy moly, we are just going raw today. Uh, there's kind of two different types of episodes that we've we do here on the podcast is, you know, one of them is kind of getting into the weeds of the game and going over notes and specific plays. Uh, and then there's going to be an episode like this where I don't have notes. Okay. I don't know where we're going. We're just going to go. Uh, I was at game five. I was at game one and two and five. Um, and at all these rounds here in the playoffs. And last night, Monday night, we was, uh, close to a religious experience from a sports fan. Ball arena, if you were lucky enough to be in that arena, what a moment in time, truly a moment in time uh, in the history of Denver sports where it's, it's not just another Denver championship. There's been six of those, three Stanley Cups, three Lombardis. This one, it just feels different because the setup of the NBA, because who the Nuggets have been and and what their existence has been in this landscape. Um, For years now, I've been calling the Denver Nuggets the anti-NBA team. They had to do it. You know, they say, like the kids say, like, it's built different, right? Well, the Nuggets had to build it differently. They had to catch a bunch of green lights. They had to have great fortune. They had to show incredible patience but they, they got it right, and it just shows that in the day and age of the transient nature of the National Basketball Association where you could, you know, you could sign a max contract in Brooklyn, turn around, try to get everyone fired, don't get that accomplished, demand a trade, and say, I only want to go to Phoenix and get your way. Like, we saw that this past year. That's the league. That's, that's the construct of the NBA, for better or worse. But it shows that the Denver Nuggets are a just the most prime example, along with the San Antonios and the maybe Detroit Pistons, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks is another good example that you can still do it the hard way. You can still do it the right way. You don't have to cut corners. You don't have to skip steps. And I am just so thankful to be where my feet are at this moment in time. It's a legendary intersection. I just happen to be doing this job and covering this team for six years leading up to this moment. I think of someone like Sandy Clough, who's been doing sports talk in Denver for 
50 years, 45 years, and never reach this moment. Never think you're going to reach this moment. Guys, when I first got to Denver in 2017, the station that I work at, like, you have host openly say the Nuggets will never win a championship. And, you know, they were wrong because never is a long time, right? Um, but in the moment, you, you knew why they were saying that stuff. The construct of the league, the inability of Denver historically to um, land these free agents. Where, and and that's, that's the lifeblood of the current NBA. Um, but you think about what had to go right for the Nuggets to get here. First of all, I don't want to forget the role that Tim Connolly played in building this. I know he's not here uh, now, okay? I, we know he's in Minnesota, but we would not be having the joyous uh, uh, vibrations that we have in the Centennial State were it not for Tim Connolly and his approach to building this roster, okay? Drafting of Jokic. Yeah, it wasn't your first-round pick. That wasn't the plan. They didn't know. I mean, he sat there in studio with me and Stokely saying, we didn't know this guy was going to be the MVP of the league. Like, we, did, we didn't know that. We, how could you, right? Taco Bell commercial, all that, while he, you know, while he was drafted. Um, but it, it's not just the drafting of him. You developed him. And then you had to make really hard decisions about Yusef Nurkic, the actual plan. Right. And then you, you had to admit like pe- people, human beings, they want to be right, especially when it comes to big decisions. It takes a certain measure of humility to say, you want to know what? Our second round picks actually better than our first round pick. We're going to we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to push our chips in with with this with this Nikola Jokic fella. And so it's that. But it's also having Jamal Murray fall in the draft and getting him right uh, uh, or getting that pick right. Um being in the perfect space as a franchise where you could take the risk on Michael Porter Jr. Uh, and, 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 and realize the upside in the ceiling, um, but not having your entire franchise depend on it uh, to where the teams weren't going to take him at one and two because you, you have got to get that right in the question marks that he had physically, but you did get that right. And mostly, right? obviously it's, it hasn't been perfect, but, but getting that right making tough decisions from Tim Connolly's standpoint, trading Gary Harris. That was not easy for Tim Connolly. Acquiring uh, Aaron Gordon, um, betting on him being willing to be a third or fourth option, paying him um, upon his arrival. And that, so, so you, you had to get all of that right to get here. But then there's this other whole separate layer that Calvin Booth brought to the table. The, 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 the trading Monte Morris, I mean, that was this guy was beloved, not just by Nuggets fans, but in the locker room. Making that tough call, moving Will Barton, acquiring Contavious Caldwell Pope, acquiring Bruce Brown, telling Bones Highland, your talented second year player, that you don't fit in here. You're being disruptive. I'm going to dismiss you in the middle of a season in which you hope to win a championship. That's unusual. So, drafting Christian Brown like what do, do the Nuggets win game three without Christian Brown I don't know and we don't have to ever we don't have to ever uh, uh, lose sleep over that question because he's here and he did score 15 points off the bench most for a Western Conference rookie in the final since 1994 Sam Cassell like that that did happen so all these decisions leading up to uh, Game 5 of the NBA Finals, it, they, they've all mattered. They've all mattered. A- and the Nuggets are officially crowned kings of the NBA world. Jokic officially crowned 
officially, doubly, triply official as the king of basketball. The MVP of the league two times over. Averaged 30, 14, and 7 in the NBA Finals. I mean, all-time legendary historic run. And now he is the 11th player in the history of this league to have multiple MVPs, a championship, plus a finals MVP. It's Wilt. It's Kareem. It's Jordan. It's Larry Bird. It's Magic Johnson. It's LeBron James. It's Steph Curry. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's Tim Duncan. I mean, these are the GOATs. And Jokic is now at the big boys' table. And you just love to see it. The discourse is over. And by the way, let me get ahead of myself. He's going to win the MVP next year if he's healthy. Because all the reservation that people had, maybe they didn't feel comfortable voting him because they didn't want to have him be, you know, the first three-time consecutive winner since Larry Bird when he hasn't got out of the second round in two years and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. All that's gone. All that's gone. All that noise, silence, silence, only praise. So if Jokic Jokic has next season, the same season, even 90% of the season that he just had, he's going to win MVP. I'm just, it's going to (laughs) happen. I'm convinced of it. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself on a day like today, but we'll see. Um, Jamal Murray, imperfect game five. Uh, really struggled from the field for a couple games in a row, just 14 points, but he does have the eight assists, uh, uh, turned it over too much. Sloppy game, I mean, just in general. Like, the game was chaotic. That first half was as ugly of an, of an offensive half that I can remember. 44 points at the break, uh, outscored in both of those first two quarters. Uh, one of 15 in the first half from three. Three of eight from the free throw line in the first half. Uh, I think it was 9 or 10 turnovers. I mean, you're on pace for 18, 20 turnovers in a closeout game. Not ideal. They still find a way to cross that finish line and give Jamal Murray credit. I mean, this is so much more than just about Game 5, the the perseverance, the journey, the overcoming, the injury, the patience that was showed by some, not by others, that they wanted him back. Hey, he's been cleared. Why isn't he playing in the postseason? Not mentally ready. That bothered people. Um, so you give Jamal Murray, like, Jokic is the king of the basketball world. Not saying Jamal's the prince of the entire basketball world, but he gets his flowers. I mean, lest we forget, we came into the NBA Finals, and ESPN did a ranking of the top 20 players in the playoffs. Okay, so not into the Finals. They, 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 they did the, uh, an article ranking the top 20 players going into the NBA playoffs, just playoff teams. Okay, so no, Dame Lillard's not on the list. Blazers didn't make the playoffs, right? So it's just players in the playoffs. Where did Jamal Murray end up on that list of 20? Wasn't on the list, guys. Wasn't on the list of the top 20 players in the playoffs. That's only half of the league. I'm telling you, when they come out with these lists a year from now, we go into the season and they do the top 100 players, you're going to see you're going to see Jamal Murray very well represented uh, on, on those lists. Um, so, uh, excited to see the sort of domino effect here, uh, in the future. Um, so love that for, for Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. This guy struggled mightily in the finals. Why? We'll never know. Was the stage a little bit too bright? Not sure, but serious growing pains. I mean, uh, this was this was Michael Porter Jr. from three in the series. Two of 11, one of six, 0 of two, 0 of three, 
one of six. That is horrible. I mean, that is you're shooting fourteen percent from three. That's as bad. That's as bad as you're going to see. But much like in game one, in game five, MPJ still found a way to make an impact. Thirteen rebounds. Are you kidding me? Man, he had sequences where he is ripping the ball off the defensive glass, pushing the pace in transition, finding shooters in transition, uh, breaking people off, going to the basket. Um, I mean, MPJ was great. He did not have a single assist in the three previous games leading up to game five. Not a one. Zero, zero, zero. Had just one assist in game number one. Has three in game number five. So more assists in game five than he had in the four previous NBA Finals games combined. So I know it wasn't perfect. I'm hyper aware, uh, but putting up 16 and 13 in the NBA Finals closeout game on the heels of how bad he struggled, just a massive amount of respect for Michael Porter Jr. Um, KCP, Bruce Brown, bringing it full circle, man. We were pounding the table in the preseason how bullish we were on these moves, okay? And I said, um, one of my quotes at the time is like, this isn't going to lead SportsCenter. This isn't going to be one of the top transactions. But it was one of the best additions for a contender that was made last offseason. And there they were, KCP, double figures in a closeout game. Bruce Brown, double figures in a closeout game. Combined, those two combining for 21 points. I mean... Goodness gracious, thrilled, thrilled for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, thrilled for Bruce Brown. And I'm also thrilled for Aaron Gordon, who only had four points in Game 5, but was the, for me, unsung hero on this run to a Finals, guarding Jimmy Butler as as much as he could, uh, uh, going back guarding LeBron, guarding uh, uh, Kevin Durant and, and Devin Booker. I mean, this guy guarding Anthony Edwards. I mean, the, his resume on his way to a championship. Um, there he was celebrating in the streets with the fans. Are you kidding me? What a way to endear yourself to a fan base. Not only just be the player you are, make the sacrifices you have, but be in the streets with the fans in the post game. Are you kidding me? So... Um, I, I love that for Aaron Gordon. Um, uh, let me see here. I'm checking my notes. Um, pardon me for one second. Okay. Um, uh, Aaron Gordon, real quick. We, celeb- we love to celebrate, and I said this to the folks at ESPN Radio earlier in the week. We love to celebrate the band member who breaks out as a star, right? Justin Timberlake breaks out of NSYNC and becomes a megastar. Michael Jackson breaks out of the Jackson 5, become a megastar, right? But we don't celebrate enough a guy who's supposed to be a star, supposed to be Justin Timberlake, and settles into a role as the fourth member of a band. That's what Aaron Gordon has done. You guys know this to be true, but I'm going to say it anyway. When this guy's picked fourth overall, out of Arizona to the Orlando Magic, he's supposed to be a franchise 1A. He's supposed to be a cornerstone. He's supposed to be the top score, the the guy, right? Well, the NBA revealed very humbly over the course of years that Aaron Gordon is not that guy. And his ability to accept a role here in Denver and be subservient, scoring the basketball to uh, Jokic, to Jamal, oftentimes to MPJ. I mean, Gordon... 
Gordon took six shots. You know, that was the least among any starter. Like, uh, to, to contrast that, Bruce Brown took 14 shots in game five. AG's a $100 million player, and he's taking six shots in a closeout game. But he has settled into his role of, I'm a defensive stopper, I'm a cutter. I heard Doc Rivers tell Bill Simmons, like, you're not going to tell Aaron Gordon five years ago, like, hey, guess what your role is? You're a defender and a cutter. Like, that's not going to fly to the ego at the time. But his acceptance of his role here in Denver has been flat-out special. Special. And Christian Brown, we're not going to leave you out. Man, your contributions as a rookie have been remarkable. When we got to the second round, there was no rookies playing in any rotation of any playoff team. And there Christian Brown is in the NBA Finals, scoring seven points in a closeout game, grabbing three rebounds, breaking off an assist, blocking a shot. CB, have a rookie year. Holy moly. Welcome to the NBA, kid. The, 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 the future of Christian Brown with this team and personality-wise, and I'm telling you, it's going to be peanut butter and jelly. I mean, it, it's already halfway there, but this Christian Brown is going to evolve. His role is going to evolve, and I can't wait to see where this goes, and that's a conversation for down the road. Um, and lastly, Michael Malone, give him his flowers, man. That guy, guy has taken arrows from people in this town. People wanted him uh, uh, fired. Uh, I've had colleagues here at the fans say this is going to be the guy that holds the Nuggets back. Not so fast, my friend. Michael Malone. I was asked this morning by Schlereth um, on our morning show, what's the best attribute about Michael Malone? It's just being unapologetically Michael Malone from Queens, New York. I'm going to tell you how I feel. I'm going to call it as I see it. I'm just going to tell the truth, all right, and you're going to have to deal with that. And I'm not spinning this. There's no different agendas. I'm not playing games. I'm not playing mind games or role games. or Like, Michael Malone is just due north compass basketball first and let's just get on with it. And I just, he's been the, per- we asked the question, he's the perfect coach to get the Nuggets to this point. Is he the perfect coach to get him across the finish line? Now we have our answer. And it's unequivocally yes. It's unequivocally yes. Um, guys, we are going to leave it here for now. Um, we're going to come back and tie more bows on this thing. The parade is Thursday. Um, this has been one of the biggest joys of my broadcasting career. I've almost been in this business for working on almost, I think, 13 years, something like that, working on a decade and a half here. This has been some of the most fun I've ever had. I cannot wait to be at the parade. If you see me at the parade, you better say what's up. Uh, we're going to do our show live from the Sheridan down there, downtown. I can't wait um, to retell this entire story. And then we'll follow back up on the podcast. Um, I think we're going to throw some audio from uh, me late night on ESPN Radio with uh, Freddie Coleman uh, reacting to Game 5. I was all sorts of fired up and on one. Uh, we'll, we'll deliver that uh, in its full entirety maybe tomorrow. Um, but for now, we're just going to bask in the afterglow. Denver Nuggets are world champions. Jokic, king of the basketball world, finals MVP. Man, they did it. They really did it. And I hope you are enjoying this uh, as much as I am. So we're going to leave it here for now, guys. Bask in that afterglow. We're going to talk to you later in the week uh, and, and react to the parade. And whatever happens at the parade, you already know. We're going to be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning into the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.